0: Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou has shut thy door pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly but when ye pray use not vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking be not ye therefore like unto them don't be like them don't be like them. But when you pray, when you pray, your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. Don't use vain repetitions. Don't be like them. But after this manner, therefore pray ye. Our Father, and the glory forever amen praying on purpose if you're keeping track this is part four this is part four let's go before the lord in prayer tonight lord i love you i thank you for your word i thank you for your people i thank you for your kingdom thank you for your church Thank you for those who are here tonight. God, I, I thank you for what you've done this past weekend in us and amongst us. God, I pray that it would not be diminished, but that we would grow upon it. We would grow in it. That we would operate in completion. That God, we would come back to you in the place where we left you. That your word would be accomplished in every nation, and every tribe, and every tongue, and every people, and every ethnicity in every corner of the earth, in the name of Jesus. God, help us to push forward your kingdom in prayer. God, open our hearts and our minds tonight. God, that we might see in revelation what you are calling us to be, calling us to do, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen, amen. You can be seated tonight when you pray. Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. They have their reward. But you, when you pray, enter into your closet or enter into a private place. We've already talked about the difference between corporate and private prayer. They're both necessary. But corporate prayer is not necessarily what I do on a day-to-day basis. But I ought to pray every day. Pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. These verses 9 through 13 have become known as the Lord's Prayer. It was given as an example, pattern, a model for prayer. We understand that by now. You've heard me reiterate it. Some of you might think I'm regurgitating it, but I am reiterating it tonight. That it is a pattern of prayer. It is a model of prayer. It should not be used as a mantra. We don't just sit down and, and repeat verses 9 through 13. That's vain repetition, but it's a model for prayer. He said, after this manner, therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven. We've gone through and we've broken things down, and we're going to continue to do that tonight. Because the Holy Ghost is alive, Because it's God's life-giving spirit. When I'm filled with the spirit of God, I am filled with the spirit of life. And this relationship with God is just that. It is relational. It's not about religion. We heard the preacher, uh, Brother Miles, talk about that this weekend. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And it's a relationship that's based on communication. So this communication is between God or the divine nature, divinity, and humanity. This communication is known and identified as prayer. Prayer is the spiritual communication between God and man. I cannot pick up my phone and send God a text message. I cannot write him a letter and mail it and expect a response in the mail from God directly. But when I am in need of communicating with God, believe it or not, it does not come with a Facebook post. It is God does not care whether you share the picture with ten of your friends. He really doesn't. It's not... Well, share this with 11 people or share this with 12 people, minus one, because Judas backslid and and you're going to be blessed. No, it's not what the, the communication is with God. But it is about when I close my eyes or when I begin to open my spirit even and I begin to communicate with God through prayer. That is prayer. That is communication between God and man. We understand that the Bible clearly tells us that we ought to pray. It tells us how we should pray. Gives us the framework for prayer. You heard me say it the last time in part three. It was given by God himself, making it the ultimate cheat sheet. As if we can hear Jesus saying, I want you to pray. I'm the one who will be hearing your prayer. And so this is how to best my attention. We talked about it, our Father, which art in heaven. It starts with praise. It starts with recognizing Him as our spiritual Father. It starts by humbling ourselves as children and coming to our heavenly father. It starts by recognizing that he is not a local God or he's not locked into a particular location. We start by recognizing his immensity. We start by knowing, making ourselves know that he is vast, he is powerful, he is great, and he is in control. We elevate Him. We set Him apart by saying, hallowed be Your name. We begin to praise Him. We begin to exalt Him. This is the framework. We we begin to tell Him, God, You are the Holy One. You are the Great One. I'm setting Him apart from earthly, casual commonness. Effective and effectual prayer begins begins by maintaining the reality in my heart, and my mind, in my spirit that He is the Holy One. That He is the Great One. And that's where effective and effectual prayer begins because I understand or I am making myself understand that I'm not just praying to just anyone. I'm not just talking to anyone. I'm not just talking to a friend. I'm not just talking to a relative. But I am communicating with God Almighty. And when I get a revelation of that, I begin to pray on purpose. That's why the beginning of this prayer includes praise. It includes exaltation. It includes extolling God's greatness. Magnifying God. Loving God. It gets His attention. That's how it starts. It starts with praise. It starts with worship. It starts with magnifying God. It starts with putting Him in His rightful position. His rightful place. I'm not making Him any greater than He already is. He's all-powerful. He fills time, space. I cannot even begin to grasp how, how great and mighty He is. But what is it doing, Pastor? If I'm exalting Him, how can I make Him bigger? I'm making Him bigger in my mind than my problems. I'm making Him bigger in my spirit than my turmoil, than my trial, than my situations. And so when I begin praying, I've got to put things in the right perspective. I've got to put Him where He belongs, and I've got to put my problems where they belong. Which is why the prayer, the framework of the prayer, the model of the prayer that Jesus Himself gave begins that way. Where where do my needs fit in? They don't fit in in verse 9. You're right, they don't. In fact, they don't even fit in in verse 10. Well, it's only four verses, Pastor, and we're already halfway through it, or almost halfway through it, and my needs haven't come up yet. You're right, they haven't, because it begins with praise and exaltation. It begins with worship, and then it goes on in verse 10, and he says, thy kingdom come, not my kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Like kingdom come. This verse begins this this part of the framework is telling us that it that we must align our prayer with what comes first in God's mind, not what comes first in the mind of the one who is praying. Because I can be honest with you tonight and tell you that a lot of times when I go to pray, I'm praying because I have a need. If I'm not practicing daily prayer, I'm I'm praying because I have a need that needs answered. And so I'm coming to God before I praise and before I worship. I'm coming to God and saying, my kingdom come and my will be done in earth as it is in heaven. But that's not at all what the framework says to do. That's not at all what the model says to do. He said you've got to align your prayer with what comes first in the mind of God. It's a turning of my focus away from my personal needs, away from my personal position, and I'm facing outward. I'm not being an introvert in prayer right now. I'm being an extrovert. My focus is not turned on my personal needs, but it's turned on the outward needs. It's a facing away from myself. I am bonding Two, and I am losing myself in divine purpose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Why do those simple phrases there, why are they located where they are? They're located there because I have just gone through the first few steps of praying on purpose. They are there because I started by saying our Father. Not even just my Father. You see what we did there? You see what He said there? He said, I I don't even want it to be that personal yet. It's personal in in the essence that we're coming as children. But he's not just my father. He's your father as well. He's not just my God. He's your God. And so everything about this Christian life is about community. It's much bigger than you and I. It's about a kingdom. And so even when I begin praying, I don't begin praying by saying my father because that's limiting God. It's putting God in the box of my identity. But, Gabby, when you start praying and you say, Ah, our Father, you know what you're saying? You're my God. You're Ashlyn's God. You're Kinsey's God. You're Harper's God. You're Taylor's God. You're Marissa's God. You're Sayla's God. You're Desi's God. your are Sister Rende's God. You're my mom's God. You're my dad's God. You're everybody's God. It's a lot bigger than just you and I. And so what does it do? From the very onset, it peels back my carnality. It peels back my flesh. And it says, God, I know who you are. And I want you to make sure that I'm not just praying for myself. We'll get to that down the road. But now is not the time. And so when I start praying that way, what I'm doing is I am setting myself up for success. Because I'm not limiting His power to my circumstance only. Does that make sense? It's not my father. Just as it is not my kingdom. It's a pulling away from self. I'm not praying a go fund me prayer. I'm not. But our Father, art in the heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's pulling the focus away from me and putting the focus on God. And when the focus begins on God, and it begins with my focus on God in relationship to the community of faith around me, then it begins to take on a new look. It begins to take on another dimension. No longer am I one-dimensional in God. I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this. But when I begin to magnify and exalt and put God in His rightful position, then I understand that He's not just bigger than my problems. He's bigger than every problem. He's he's much bigger than just my kingdom. And so I've put Him in His rightful place. I'm turning my focus away from my personal needs and my personal position. And I'm facing outward. It's a facing away from myself. I am bonding to divine purpose. I'm losing myself in divine purpose. Well, you say you're losing your identity, I'm, I'm losing my fleshly identity. I'm losing my carnal labels. That's why it was so powerful when Jacob looked at his family and he said, you guys are staying here. I don't think he even understood what he was doing. He was probably trying to protect his pride Because he knew, I'm getting ready to go ugly cry. I'm getting ready to go ugly pray. Like there's praying, and then there's praying. There's crying, and then there's crying. And I can cry in front of people. I don't like ugly crying in front of people. And so Jacob said, no, wives. Whole other lesson for another night. Children, stay here. Honeys, stay here. Possessions, servants, stay here. And he goes by a brook, crosses the brook. He's all by himself. He's lost his identity. All he has is a name. God said, okay, let me take that from you. Powerful things begin happening when I lose myself in divine purpose. Praying on purpose. So it's not about me. It's our Father. which in heaven. would be your name. Setting your name apart. I'm not setting my name apart. I'm not saying, hey God, I'm the only one that's praying right now. But I'm saying, okay God, I'm going to take my voice. I'm going to take my prayer. And I'm going to couple it with, with somebody else that might be praying across the world. Around the globe. This is what prayer is. This is how prayer can work. Our Father. So no longer is it just the voice of one. But it's the voice of a generation. It's the voice of a people. It's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, a righteous woman here who's joined in with a righteous man, a righteous woman over here. And all of a sudden, God begins to hear a collective voice saying, Our Father, which art in the heavens, hallowed be your name. We're lifting you up. We're lifting you up. We are exalting. We are extolling. We are magnifying. So I'm bonding to divine purpose when I pray thy kingdom, your kingdom come your will be done in earth as it is in heaven that's not an impersonal prayer that's not an impersonal prayer but I'm bonding to his divine purpose, I'm losing myself in divine purpose and when I'm doing that I'm taking on divine purpose. I'm getting washed in divine purpose. The psalmist said, It's coming. The deep is calling unto the deep. Noise. He said, I, I, There's so much going on, but, but it's just like wave after wave after wave. It doesn't mean there's not turmoil. So the psalmist would say, it, it, It's rough. Go read it, it's Psalm 42 and verse 7. But even in spite of all of that, when I get into the presence of God, bonding myself to divine purpose, losing myself in divine purpose. And so when I do that, both the world's problems and my internal problems are resolved. How? Because divine purpose. Heavenly perfection enters into my world, enters into my life. The world's problems are taken care of. My problems are taken care of. They fade to the background. And the coming of the kingdom of God takes a higher priority over personal needs. That's why, and I believe it is powerful, and we need to get a revelation of this in today. Today, tonight, we need a revelation of it. Because we can worry about elections, and you should exercise your American right to vote. You really should. As a Bible-believing child of God, you should vote for the candidate who is most aligned with the Word of God. There's never going to be a candidate who is exactly aligned with the Word of God until they're filled with the Holy Ghost. and they're... But there, there's not an apostolic running for office. For any office. But when I pray, election results fade into the background The kingdoms of the earth fade into the background. And I begin my prayer by extolling and magnifying and exalting God, putting Him in His rightful place. And when I continue by saying, Your kingdom come, Your will be done, all of a sudden, uh, heaven begins to touch earth. And the divine purpose of the kingdom of God comes into higher priority over my personal needs and my personal wants. It's a prayer for God's kingdom to come. It's a prayer for the health of the local church. It's a prayer for the leaders of God's people. It's intercession for every mission and every missionary enterprise around the world. It's more than just a couple of cute little sentences, folks. It's intercession for the world and for lost humanity. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. What's the will of God? That God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The kingdom of God is the furtherance of the gospel in our world. When I begin to pray that way, I'm praying global. Prayers versus immediate prayers. When I bring a grocery list before God, and we've all done this, and we all probably will after this service. But when I bring a grocery list to God, I'm praying for immediate prayers. When I pray according to this framework, and I'm praying on purpose, it's global versus immediate. Now, how would you like... To pray global prayers. It's here that prayer grips the prayer and virtually turns him or her into a physical materialization of intercession. You become the intercession. Thy kingdom come. More than I want to see laws passed in our world, I want to see the law of the kingdom of God. More than I want prison reform, more than I want this, more than I want that, I want the mercy, the grace, the truth, the love of God to be shed abroad. It's global. Versus immediate. Here, he or she, you or I becomes the vehicle of prayer revelation for things about which we have little or no knowledge. We've all read Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. How many have ever read that verse before? How many have heard it? Whether you've read it or not, you've heard it. Well, all things work together. Okay, well, let's read that in context. Let's back up to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together. For the good of them who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. So when you and I, we know all things work together for the good, but in context, it means when you and I begin to pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done. When you and I begin to pray on purpose, when you and I get into our prayer room and we start praying, God, not my will, but your will be done, and we begin to intercede, then the power of this understanding. Understanding The power of understanding about prayer cannot be underestimated. Transformation comes out of prayer like this. Restoration comes out of prayer like this. Ministries are born from prayer like this. All things work together for the good when we pray like this. He's saying, I let the Spirit of God pray for me. He not only knows the mind of God, He is God. And so, when I'm praying that way, it cannot but help to turn out for good. Because He said, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. I've got plans for you for hope and future. This is why it's, it's listed in verse 10, not in verse 13. This is why this is listed. This type of prayer is listed before I bring my needs to God because when I pray in the Spirit, my needs just happen to work themselves out. When I'm praying that God's will is done in earth as it is in heaven, the kingdom of God to come, I'm praying that the work of God be seen in completion. I'm praying that the work of God be seen in infinite perfection. I'm asking God to let me see it the way it was created in His mind. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Again, it's not about me. It gets there. But if we can grasp this, Premier Study Bible puts it this way. To see in the Spirit the perfect creates discontentment or it makes me unhappy, not satisfied with the flawed condition of that which exists. When I pray in the Spirit, it begins to let me know I'm not satisfied where I am. I want to see more. I want to do more. I want to experience more. It stirs the soul to action in prayer in pursuit of that perfection which is seen, but not yet actualized on the earth. It's just at the back of my mind. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's right there. I can almost see it. But when I begin to pray that way, and I begin to see what can be in the Spirit, it excites me, even though it has not yet actualized. Physical ailments... Wrecked lives, misshapen societies, broken homes, parentless children, spiritual impoverishment. All are forms of imperfection for which heaven holds an infinite perfection. Any prayer for heaven to come to earth is a prayer for such envisioned perfection to become earthly reality to be exposed to such rarefied an atmosphere of beauty and ideality in the spirit is to yearn for and to pray for the actualization of the vision in the real world of existential finitude. In other words, it pulls in from the Spirit. What I see in prayer pulls it, the infinite, into the finite. What I can't see into what I can see. This is what is entailed in the prayer. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It's in that section of prayer where we could stop and we could insert binding and loosing. It's where we can insert our warfare, praying, our pushing back are taking ground for the kingdom of God are bringing into reality spiritual victory are binding and are loosing because it is the pushing forward the propelling of the kingdom of God it's not about my kingdom I'm not binding and loosing for my own benefit but I want the kingdom of God to come in reality into my world It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. When you begin praying this way, when you get a revelation of God, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done in earth. I know that you're not willing that any should perish. I want to see that happen in earth. What am I doing? I'm pushing. I'm propelling the kingdom of God. Come on, why don't we lift our hands right now? Why do we lift our voice right now? God, I want your kingdom to come. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. Our Father chart in heaven. Hallowed, be thy name. I've exalted, I've magnified. I've made him bigger than my problems. I've recognized him as the Holy One. I've recognized him as the Supreme One. I've gone down my list. Know who you are. Omnipotent, omniscient, all powerful, ever present, all knowing, all wise. It's become more than just words, it's become a reality of who I know him to be. And in that context, then, I can begin to pray, okay, God, thy kingdom come. It's so in that context I begin to realize what he really did. In the beginning was the Word, it was with God, it was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The Word was then made flesh. What was it doing? The kingdom was coming. It was opening a door. It was tearing a veil, so then you and I could step into the kingdom of God. I know he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. But God, why don't you let that kingdom come? Why don't you let that kingdom come and just rest here where we are for a little while? And we begin to pray that way. We begin to pray in the spirit, and it's not about us. And we begin to push forward in the, in the the spirit of prayer, and the spirit's making intercession for us. And we're praying. Paul said, in understanding, and and also in the spirit. And then it's at this point where we move from that to verse eleven that says, "Give us this day our daily." Bread, only now after everything that we've already covered does Jesus turn things around and say, okay, now let's talk about your needs. And chances are that a lot of things that we thought were needs before we began to pray are going to seem a lot less important once we get to this point in prayer. In fact, the Spirit of God may have already taken care of them or they may have already taken care of themselves. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there are things that we that we think we need to pray for that are just petty and don't need our time. They don't even need us to waste our breath in prayer. But I can accomplish more by pushing forward the kingdom of God. And those things are just realized as distractions and they just fall to the wayside. God's saying, okay, now that we've exalted me, now that you know who I am, now that you know my my correct position, now that I'm magnified, now that we've prayed that my kingdom would come, now that we've pulled heaven into earth, now let's look at what else is remaining. There's a reason it's called daily bread. It shows that if I'm going to receive daily bread, I must pray daily prayers. Prayer is designed to be a daily thing. It's a relationship. It's like a garden. It has to be tended to. That it has to be nurtured. That if it's just left on its own, it will look wild and untamed and unsightly. But if it's tended to, and if the ground is continually broken up and weeds pulled out, then it's going to look completely different. And so give us this day our daily bread. It helps me to remember that God operates in the now. Not just in the future, never to come dream state. But He works in the here and He works in the now. And believe it or not, He is a God who wants to answer your prayer. Which is why He put it in this framework intentionally. Amen. Our daily schedule. The fact that we are bound to time. Naturally resists the kingdom of God. Time is a closed kingdom. It's fixed. It's rigid. But The kingdom of God is not fixed. It's not rigid. It's not bound by time. And so, therefore, I have to put a stop in my schedule to allow the kingdom of God to intersect... With my day. I have to block off space. Well, I'll I'll pray if I find time. You will never find time. Not because you're a bad person, but because they're two different kingdoms. It's two different realms. We live bound by time. The kingdom of God is not. And I could not tell you how many times I've had a list of things to do where I have seen people that have a list of things to do and I've seen it both ways. You've all met my dad. He is the hardest working man I have ever met or ever will meet in my life. The hardest working man. He is what I measure men to. He's what I measure their work ethic to. He's what I measure their hand strength to. Their fortitude to. In fact, there were specific times in my life where God spoke to me through different men of God, specifically pointing out things that I have seen my dad do that will carry me through. But he's a hard worker, and he's very, very busy. There's always something to do. But I've seen him, and I've watched him my entire life. When it's time to go to church, it's not time to work. When it's time to go to prayer, it's, it's time to stop working. And not that there's not work that needs done. In fact, if we were just bound by the work that needs done, we would never eat. We would never sleep. We'd never see our family. There's always something that needs done. But he instilled in me from, from the very first time I could understand it that, that this work will wait. It will still be here when we get done with church. And if it needs done, you can just go back and do it after church. But I've also seen it where things that should have taken much longer to accomplish get done very much faster because priorities. And there's no explanation for it, Brother Venable. I'm sure you've seen it before. I'm sure you've experienced it before. There's no explanation why it just worked after church when it didn't work before church. And likewise, I've seen the opposite end of the spectrum. I've seen men who said, you know what, I've got to get this done so I can't go to church. And, and because of that, I've watched it take them two or three times as long because we've got to get things in the right order. And so, just like in prayer, I've got to make time. I will not find time. I must make time. I must pray on Purpose. I put a stop in my schedule to allow the kingdom of God to intersect with my day. I know the best time for me to pray is first thing in the morning. And I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to do anything. In fact, the other day I was just sitting in the chair in the living room. And my legs covered with a blanket and a dog was laying on my lap. And I made time. You know, George, it was just like the moment I closed my eyes it doesn't always work this way, okay? It does not. The moment I closed my eyes And I just lifted my face toward heaven. And I just uttered those two words. Our Father. I began to magnify. And just the sweetest, sweetest presence of God filled the room. Because I made time. But if I get up and say, you know what, I'm going to pray tonight. chances are I'm not going to pray tonight because I'm finding time. Give us this day, our daily bread. Premier Study Bible puts that this way. Prayer is the portal through which the eternal agent of change, the Spirit, brings light, beauty, and hope into the blind and darkened world. This gives added weight to the prayer. Give us this day or give me now this present time what I need to make it through. I've exalted, I've magnified, I've praised, I've worshipped, I've pushed your kingdom forward. Because I've done all of those things, God, I know that you're going to give me what I need to make it through today. The fact that He calls it daily bread shows us that we live in a constant state of dependency upon God. I'm dependent on Him for my provision. Just like Israel depended on the manna daily, I depend on His Spirit daily. Praying in the Spirit compresses divine action into imminent possibility. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm almost done. We're going to finish this. Time. It goes on and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Debts are obligations. The word can refer to financial obligations but most likely it refers to spiritual debt or sin. That's verified in Luke chapter 11 and verse 4. It's Luke's account or his recording of this same framework for prayer. Luke 11.4 says, And forgive us our sins. Instead of forgive us our debts, it says forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. So more than likely, he's not just talking about Finances, he's talking about sin. He's talking about obligations. Spiritual debts. He's talking to them about forgiveness of sins. But it's still never just about self. Forgive us our sins. That's about self as we forgive those who have sinned against us. He's still interjecting the community aspect. It's a prayer that probes into the dirty closets of our lives. And it's in those dark closets and those dark rooms, those dark attics and basements where we can find past hurt Feelings, wounds, and failures lurking about. They've never been dealt with. They've never been released. And they cannot seem to heal. They threaten to become infected into boils of bitterness. Dredges of discouragement. And even rage. There's no human remedy or therapy that's able to heal. But when I come into prayer and I've gone through all of that framework, I'm in a position where I've got God's attention. I'm in a position where I have, I'm feeling the presence of God and I am one-on-one. This relationship is strong right now. And so I begin to understand that I can bear my soul to the spirit and there is spiritual therapy that's produced that goes beyond my human ability or your human ability. It's not a one time prescription. He said, but daily bread and Daily, it's a process of me coming in. It's a continual process. It's necessary in order to maintain spiritual and even mental and emotional health. God, please forgive me and help me to forgive others. I don't want to hold on to bitterness. I don't want to hold on to envy. I don't want to hold on to covetousness. I don't want to hold on to rage. I don't want to hold on to hurt. I don't want to hold on to it, God. I want to release it to you and the more I pray that way the more I release to Him and the more I release to Him the more resistance I build up and the less easily I am offended. The longer I pray that way the more my weakness turns into strength. Let the weak say I'm strong. Give us Debts. forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us as we forgive our debtors the fact of the matter is even in the church you're going to get hurt feelings even in the church and sometimes it seems like it hurts worse because they should know better. And they should. So should I. So should you. But we're still human. And so when I'm praying this way, I'm bringing my humanity into the Spirit. And I'm saying, God, it happened. It is what it is. I know I've offended someone. and I know they've offended me. And I don't want to wear that on my sleeve. I'm bringing it to you, God. I'm cleaning out the closet. God, please forgive me. We know it happens. That's why the word says it. If you got aught against a brother or a sister, leave your gift at the altar. That's indicative of your church. With a brother or a sister, there's problems. Go make it right. Then come back and worship God together. What are you doing when that happens? You're thumbing your nose at hell. You're saying, guess what, buddy? We're worshiping God together. I know that she offended me and I offended her or him or whatever. I know they yelled at my children. I know I, y- I tripped their kid when he was running down the aisle. I know all of that stuff. But God, we worked it out. We worked it out. Little Brett found his way to an altar. She's kidding, that's not right. It's funny, but it's not our experience. Forgive us as we forgive. It's never just about me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you believe it if I told you that you and I never really completely know ourselves? My heart is forever deceived Who can know it? And so it's possible that Satan knows at least some of your weaknesses that you don't know yourself. And so I cannot rely on human confidence to avoid every temptation. I cannot put enough ad blockers and spam blockers and all, if I want to find it. So, well, it's, it's just that city, so I'm going to move somewhere. Listen, if you move to Timbuktu, it's there. It's not a location issue. It's a heart issue. So God doesn't lead us into temptation, but he does at times allow us to be tested by temptation. And so I've got to pray to be delivered from those temptations and those trying times for deliverance from evil and from Satan, Matthew 4 and verse 1. Jesus himself was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Why? Why would the Spirit do that to him? It's the dual nature of Christ, okay? It's not a one message tonight, but it's the dual nature of Christ. It's his humanity that was coming under attack. And the the divinity led him to do so. Talk about a war within yourself. And he did it and was tempted of the lust of his flesh, the lust of his eyes, the pride of his life. And he conquered it so you and I could understand. Don't lead me into temptation. Ain't no divinity in me but deliver us from evil. First Corinthians 10, verse 13. I'm almost. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. Okay? But will with the temptation, the temptation in and of itself, will kill you. The temptation in and of itself will take you out. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Without the way of escape, you wouldn't be able to bear it. But when it gets hot and heavy, the angel of the Lord is going to step in and say, Okay, enough is enough. This is your out. This is how you do it. This is where you go. This is who you call. This is who you text. This is when you pray. This is when you seek the face of God. This is when you change the radio station. This is when you begin to worship God. There are some doors through which your and I's flesh will fit, but the Holy Ghost will not. And so as I begin walking through the door and my Holy Ghost catches, I want to know about it. When I'm praying on purpose, I begin praying, God, don't lead me into temptation. Deliver me from evil. I want my Holy Ghost to catch on the threshold of the door and tell me not to go. It ends as we stand. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. After all of the effort to right, pray, you don't find him seizing, you don't find him grasping and clawing at the promises. But again, it's a surrender of will. It's a surrender of my future to God. It's allowing God to determine what happens next. I'm turning over my future, turning over my life to the director of the universe. I'm turning it over to Him. And I'm coming back tomorrow for daily bread. I'm praying on purpose. It doesn't start with me and it doesn't end with me it doesn't start with my desire and it doesn't end with my desire our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So be it. I wonder if I have anybody here tonight that would say, God, I know pastor's been preaching a lot about it. To teach me to pray. The disciples had walked with Jesus, yet they still asked him, Teach us how to pray. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church or how little you've been in church, we could all use God to teach us how to pray.